Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I'm Kaya Green. And I'm Stephanie Mallet. And today we are talking about the sport that is as much pageantry and entertainment as it, a- as it is actual sport. Uh, we are talking today about wrestling. 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 Steph. What do you know about wrestling? So I grew up in the 80s, and wrestling was a huge part of, like, television culture in the 80s. It most certainly was. I know a little, little, little bit. Like, I know some of the, like, bigger names from the 80s. I had a little stint in the 90s where I was like, was it the 90s, early 2000s? Like, when Jeff Hardy, the Hardy boys were there, and there was, like, Lita was one of them. I don't know, Chris Jericho. These are all names that I have known of. But I don't know a ton about wrestling itself. Um, I'm not, uh, it's not my fandom. I know that they go in a ring, they hit each other uh, fake wise, but also they're really doing all those moves. So it's very athletic. I don't know. That's a very broad strokes of what I know about wrestling. What about you, Kaya? I know a couple things. One, I have watched the show Glow. Oh, yes. Glow was great. Glow is a very, very good show, and it gave me a new appreciation for wrestling, a thing I didn't really know anything about before. I think I grew up, you know, in the 90s when the, like, it was around. Yeah. Um, People certainly liked it, but no one in my circles ever watched it, and it mostly what I heard about is, oh, wrestling is fake, which I now as an adult, I think, understand is so far from the point. It's also, uh, what, what a weird take. Yeah, totally. Yes, it is. Yes, right. most entertainment is fake. Um, but, uh, so, Glow gave me a real appreciation for it. Um, the other thing I know about it is that my old barber uh, used to do local wrestling, like that was kind of a thing that she did, and it, one time in describing some of the moves to me, um, I got lightheaded, fainted, and ended up in the hospital. That's true. So that's what I know about wrestling. <laughs> you know who knows a lot more than us about wrestling is our guest, Callum Ratton, who is a comedian who's written for the Beaverton, CBC, and the upcoming Let's Gentrify Hamilton. Callum, thank you so much for Welcome, joining Callum. us. Thanks for having me. So stoked to talk to you about this. I okay. promise not to faint and end up in the hospital. <laughs> Kaya was, cannot promise that. <laughs> was your barber talking about like what were they? What was the move? So they were talking about how, um, and to be fair, I some of this was on me. I hadn't like eaten food or whatever, and like it was really hot. <laughs> That'll in there. do it. What a very and, dramatic entrance to this. Yeah, and then she cut her hand, and that's how we got talking about how wrestlers will sometimes put like a razor blade in their costume and then like run it across their head to create the blood effect. Yeah, uh, and something about that just made me dizzy. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm always jealous of that because we met doing like improv and sketch yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I'm always jealous of being able to like just bleed to add an extra drama to something. I've been jealous of that. I eh? could not imagine <laughs> doing that. Could you for imagine anything? doing a scene and you're like, ah, oh, the crowd's a bit dead. You know what might liven this up? <laughs> I cut my face. And a comedy bar, you've just got like a little razor blade and I just come back. <laughs> Covered in blood. To be entirely honest, though, having seen you and your sketch troupe do sketch, that is how you would do that's, that. I feel like that's a disaster bit on the disaster show. Yeah, I. You know what? I. My wife would be so mad at yeah, me. Yeah, she would. Yeah, yeah I'd completely. be in so much trouble yeah. if I. If I'm just like making a little. <laughs> Razor blade to hide in my outfit. I feel like you have a child to take care <laughs> you of. You cannot bring this energy into our house. You have to step it up. <laughs> so we're going to get it right into it. Let's pretend someone listening to this has never heard of wrestling or the world of wrestling or professional wrestling. How would you explain it to them? Well, Dan, I'd go maybe two ways. If someone's truly never heard of professional wrestling, I might just be like, it's all real. <laughs> Because I do think that's maybe a more fun way to approach it. Yeah. Is that if you just assume everything's completely real, and I'm like, well, it's the king of sports. It's the greatest athletic competition. (laughs) And then, like, break it down like that and then just never let them in that it's it's fake. Because I do think that's a more fun way to watch it. Absolutely. I could see that. And there are some times when, like, uh, you know, people will want to, like, talk about, like, what happened or something, and it's, like, like especially, like, I don't really want to hear what wrestlers are like when they're not wrestling. I'm, like, I don't want to know, like, what your thing is. If you're a bad guy, I just want to hear you say bad stuff and yeah. you're <laughs> evil and taunt children and that. You don't want the behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think I would explain that it's kind of, it's, uh, I guess I would explain that it, it is, like, fake fighting, um, it's kind of like a theatrical version of a sport, mm-hmm. like maybe like a play that takes place in a wrestling ring. 
But apart from that, I, I think I'd ask them like, hey, what do you like? Because wrestling is such a broad art form and it takes so many different uh, kind of versions and stuff. Like there are some uh, companies that treat it very seriously and trying to make it as like real as possible. Like I think of something like uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling where they do like, you know, like the post-fight press conferences they yeah. do or like in basketball or baseball and stuff. That's what they do and that's how they further storylines and kind of nothing. And they'll do like pre-fight interviews and then kind of that's it and the actual fight. So they treat it very much like a real sport Whoa. and that's kind of how they tell storylines and stuff. But then you get other ones where like it's closer to a reality show. Like yes. ma- miraculously, people will be having an argument backstage, and you know what? The cameras just so happen to be there, mm. and you're like, "This chances, yeah." And you're like, "Well, this is like they're never like, you know, when you watch like basketball, you never see like LeBron having a private fight with a teammate, <laughs> and imagine? the cameras just happen to be there, and they cut to it between matches. I mean, it would be incredible. I might watch basketball if that happened, <laughs> but." And so some of them take, like, it's almost like a reality show, and then some are very close to that. And then some really focus more on, like, the live stuff. So if you look at, like, a CMLL from Mexico, um, it's and they're very big in Mexico City, in that area of Mexico, they kind of started when most people in Mexico didn't have a television. Whoa. So it's and it's so it's really still the focus is on the live shows, right? Of course, that and makes that sense. and it's like now it's a big tourist thing for people to go to Arena Mexico to see it, but also some people will just go every single week or like a lot of weeks and follow their favorite characters, but also because they don't have that TV time, it's kind of like a lot of like bigger characters, and so it probably is closer to like physical theater and stuff. So I think. I do feel bad. I do feel like I threw out a very broad fandom. I mean, it is a very broad fandom, but yeah. that's okay because there's there's so much to so much more to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So much. if we can do something like the MCU, it's I think we can do anything because like <laughs> many many fandoms are extremely broad. But imagine if like halfway through the MCU, um, if there's like a fight and Robert Downey Jr. is like, you know what, I'm not getting paid enough, so he just turns up in Batman. <laughs> Which is something that happens all the time in wrestling. I guess that you're right. This is broader in that sense in that there's, like, many countries and many, like, uh, organizations involved. Yeah, and it's and they're all, um, yeah, like, Hulk Hogan just went to a different company at the height of his powers. And then, like, I don't, well, actually, I don't know if it's at the height of his powers, but, like, and he was still Hulk Hogan, and he, like, turned up in another company. And it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. That never happens. The, the most exciting thing is because... How most people, I think, in North America will know wrestling is from, like, weekly television. Yeah. Uh, so which the is, WWE. Yes, exactly. Yeah, which but used it, to be the WWF before the wildlife people took it, the right? The wildlife people yes. had it before. Well, and then <laughs> before then it used to be the WWWF. Wait, and really? Be, and before Worldwide that it was... Worldwide Wrestling Foundation, was it? I don't know what it was. And then before that it was, like... WWWW. <laughs> We've been cutting off W's every year, and we will until we get what we want. <laughs> <laughs> Next time it's just E. <laughs> um, but that's, like, yeah, so it's... Uh, and before that I think it was, like, the Capital Wrestling Federation or something. Dang, dang. Yeah. So Majestic. I know. Well, and then... So it... it it's also interesting because wrestling is a relatively wrestling also did come from literally faking fights to um, like throwing fights for gambling reasons. What? Or or like faking the end of wrestling matches to make it more exciting so people would want to come back and watch another one. Oh, I didn't know that. So like the the theater of it is built into the sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, it and it it started like there was like a boom time. There's a great book called The Illustrated History of Pro Wrestling, which is like a graphic novel that's just the entire history of pro wrestling. And in like the 19th century, early 20th century, wrestling became really popular. And so there was like a lot of times when they're like, well, let's try to find out who the champion of the world is. So you'd see like Madison Square Garden would be like sold out to see like a Greco-Roman wrestler wrestle like the best American wrestler, and that and it was like a. Le- a le- legitimate real sport and wrestling still is a legitimate real sport but at a certain point they started um stuff started to get a bit fishy which was very common in like boxing and, and like lots of sports right. at that time i mean Dives. The, yeah exactly yeah. yeah the world series was like uh corruption uh, in yeah. sports no way. what? But, impossible but then they also started to like do stuff that was like 
like, and then, the, so that was part of it was to, like, get gambling things. So that's when people started to learn how to, like, fake stuff like that. But then also they would figure out how to do wrestling matches that just made it more exciting. Because you do watch, like, real wrestling. Like, if you watch, like, wrestling at the Olympics or something, it can be a little dull. Yeah, it's mostly people just kind of pushing each other back and forth yeah. while locked in. And I think if you've done it, you're really into it. It's super technical and amazing. But as, like, a... Uh, casual viewer, it's not super exciting. Yeah. In, the, in the same way that the UFC tends to push people who punch and kick more often than really good wrestlers. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I remember looking into different, like, martial arts at some point when I was looking into just, like, UFC as, like, what is this thing? And looking into, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which most people say is one of the most effective martial arts you can do. Yeah. And it's very dull to watch. If you don't know what's going on, it just looks like two people kind of shoving each other a little bit. Exactly, yeah. But people who like BJJ would kill me for saying that. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure it's so exciting to see someone get top control and all that. But totally. yeah, as, as someone who, yeah, if you don't follow it, it's like you can barely do it. Well, and it is interesting with wrestling. There are types of wrestling that are probably boring to non-wrestling fans. Yeah. Like I could take you guys to like a demand lucha show here in Toronto. You'd have a blast. It'd be so much fun. When? When can we go? I think they have a show in a couple months. It's just I'll go. It's so much fun, and you'll see people like I saw people like get put through tables, and there's fun Whoa. characters. One guy came out to the ring with a snake. Yep. And yep, that yep. Uh, one great. was like Black Taurus, who's like a famous rex- wrestler from Mexico who wrestles with a literal like a giant cow's head mask. What? <gasps> and is like so big, and he wrestled Alley Catch. Who previously was Alley Cat, and her gimmick was she was a cat. <laughs> okay, yeah. And well. then change it to catch, as in catch wrestling, and is like now like still a very funny performer, but like n- not a cat. Yeah. Um, and it's like so much fun. But then I could take you to a sport uh, show, like probably like there's one called Blood Sport, and it's where they take the ropes away from the ring. And they have like that's all, not safe. How will they do the bouncy moves? Well, they don't because they want to make it as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. So you were essentially watching people like try as hard as possible to recreate real wrestling, fake wrestling wise. And if you're a big nerd like me, you're like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> I want to watch like uh, and that. But if you're like you know a fan expecting like a fun wrestling show with pageantry, you're like, why are they all like? There's no fun outfits. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of people like shoving each other, struggling for top control. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But for me, yeah. I'm like, oh no, I want to see, oh, I want to see Rocky Romero from New Japan Pro Wrestling. What happens when he takes a more grounded, mat based approach? <laughs> like, yeah, because that's what uh, a lot of people go to wrestling for is the grounded, <laughs> the grounded approach for sure. But that's like, that's like a very niche show. But like, I mean, I'd love it, but it's, it's not something I'd take like, someone who isn't into wrestling I'd go, I'd go like let's go see a lucha show yeah, let's right. go see yeah yeah a big fun show yeah it, it seems to me sorry to interrupt it, it it seems to me like my my best and I think you, you this is true for you too Steph my best comparison to this is to make it uh, gay which we do traditionally on this show it seems to me like drag oh very much so like, like there's a big big crossover because yeah. it's also um there is like an element. One is there are like also just a lot of queer wrestlers yes. too. So, but it is like there's very much a lot because it's like about passing, uh, like pageantry and stuff. There is also like a real performance of gender in some of or totally. traditional gender roles and stuff like some of these. Like you think of like just how tough some of these, you know, like guys are and they like oil up their muscles and they like call each other like, yeah, you're weak, I'm stronger than you. Yeah. Like yeah. there's like a real... I will dominate. Yeah. yeah. Very big, huge masculine yeah. energy. And it feels like it's all the same, it's all the same technique a lot of the time. Like even with drag queens, like drag queens having rivalries or families or like all of that backstory, it's all the same thing. Well, and it's also similar in the sense that now like drag queens really do need like an online persona. Mm-hmm. And to like draw people in, and wrestling is the same. Really? Oh, a hundred percent. You get people who are like, um, there's like one wrestler who's great, Effie, and he uh, he run, he runs like a show that's actually coming up at the end of March in LA. Uh, he does it every WrestleMania. It's called Effie's Big Gay Brunch, <laughs> and what? it's it's so good, and it's like all it's like mainly queer performers and stuff except i think there's like they'll have he'll have like sometimes they'll have a bunch of straight wrestlers in uh the bi-curious battle royale <laughs> dear lord but it's great and he's an inc- he's an inc- i've seen him at a demand lucha show he's an incredible wrestler but he like i uh 
I listened to an interview with him and he was like, oh, no, I don't really want clips of my wrestling online. It's kind of like all this other stuff about my character that brings you in. And then you can see that I can wrestle and stuff. And so it is like you do need like those like followings to – yeah, and it was like through social media is how a lot of storylines are pushed. Um, There's also like a lot of promotions that like – like WWE, one of the reasons why they're so successful as a company and get all these like brand partnerships and stuff is they have – such an incredible social media following. Mm. Like they have maybe one of the largest social media engagements on the planet. Wow. It's like they their YouTube is so big. It's so massive. It like is worldwide. Like more people will watch like WrestleMania than like the Olympics. What? Dear Lord, I do I not also, know that. I just heard that on a podcast, so I also <laughs> have not fact checked that. But it's it's like a massive event. It's really big. And so um, but like a lot of stuff, like there's like one promotion called Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And it's a Japanese promotion, um, and it's it's really good. It like draws on a lot of like pop culture stuff that I don't necessarily know a lot about, but I like re- they're they're amazing wrestlers. It's incredible, and they're structured where they'll do like live tours and then like one big show at like Sumo Hall or like something like that in uh, Tokyo, and I only follow them through Twitter. And then occasionally one of their wrestlers will wrestle in another promotion that I watch, and I'm like, oh, this is great. But it's, uh, yeah, it is like social media is such a massive part of it in the same way of drag. Makes sense. Yeah, because I guess if you are not t- like constantly televised or n- don't necessarily have the following uh, on broadcast, this is an opportunity to tell those storylines with, you can spread them out as long as you want. So, I, sorry, I guess how many people, how many things are we following on broadcast media in general? None. Right? Jeopardy. 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 Yeah, Jeopardy. Just Strictly Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah, Which brain use, wrestling. You could it, use more wrestling. <laughs> it, yeah, well, I mean, like, uh, wrestling might be the only weekly television show I watch. Like, I want to watch 6 p.m. on Wednesday. If I'm not doing anything, I'm, no, not 8 p.m. on Wednesday, I'm sitting down and I'm watching Dynamite. Like, because I got to see what happens because it's live. It's your stories. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's also fun. Another reason why I love wrestling so much is they will – Literally, because it's they have to fill so much time. It is very similar to a soap opera in the sense that, like, for example, All Elite Wrestling's an American company. It's probably like the second biggest in the world, maybe third biggest company in the world, and they have to fill three hours of television every week. They do a show on Friday night, a show on Wednesday night, and then they also have um, like a spinoff show that's on the oh, spinoff show that's on the web and two YouTube shows. So they're just producing so many hours. That's so much. So they will occasionally, but soap operas are the same, like Days of Our Lives or something. So they will occasionally just throw in like a a storyline swerve for no reason. (laughs) And again, they they have some like wonderful long-term stories that pay off. Like there was like one character called uh, Adam Hangman Page and he went through a full thing where he became like a full alcoholic and like lost stuff and lost all his friends and he would, um, if, before COVID, if you handed him a drink after his match, for, as from the audience, he'd finish it. Like oh, that's no. how committed he was to, like playing this character of oh. like an alcoholic, and he'd be really sad, and he'd walk off mid-interview with people, and like he wouldn't like he wouldn't be like charged into the ring like wrestlers usually are. He'd just be kind of like, and it was, and then you saw him like hit rock bottom and then come back up. Oh and my so, god! So you have these like wonderful long-term stories, and then you occasionally have someone like turn bad just for no reason because they're like, oh, what are we gonna do? We need a match for this pay-per-view. You're an evil person now. <laughs> so it's what? very similar. Do they justify it well or are they just like that person shows up like, today I'm pissed. I'm wearing black today. Oh, they do wear black. Yes. <laughs> Not all the time, but that's like a very big uh, trope. Uh, no, like, that. again, there's like one wrestler uh, from AEW, Julia Hart, and she turned evil. And the reason she turned evil is... Her period. She, well, her she was a... <laughs> That would be, I mean, I don't know. Once a month she gets made. Blood sports. I don't know know if I'd be bringing that to you guys so excited, like this beautiful thing. (laughs) (laughs) This this extremely feminist move they chose. Well, she was like with a, um, with like, she was part of like, she's a, in real life, a, like a, uh, 
did like the cheerleading competitions and was like a national champion cool. in cheerleading. So that was like her gimmick was like a cheerleader and stuff. And she was paired with these two like super athletic young dudes and they were like a stable. So like that's what's known when a group in wrestling. Okay. So like uh, the NWO was a stable. Yes, uh, I remember the NWO. Uh, the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and all his mates and his family members were like a stable. So they were a stable called the Varsity Blondes. They were all blonde, all like, and they wore like leather jackets, like in that, and people did not like them. They were meant to be like the good guys, yeah, which is known as baby faces. And white meat baby face is a term to describe like just like the good good guy, yeah, like real clean, like, like a Captain America type. Exactly, just. yeah. And they were just people did not like them because they were like lame and stuff, and they were good at wrestling and stuff. And then so they wrestled this like a. Uh, bad guy team and this guy he had a thing where he was a bad guy and he would spit poison into people's faces oh my god wow <laughs> and then multiple wrestlers have spat poison into faces sure, like, yeah. so <laughs> it's, like it's just no, a go-to gimmick it's yeah, a go-to yeah. gimmick yeah oh my god and then um there was a match recently in japan where this wrestler muda was retiring and he went to go spit um poison into the mouth of uh shinsuke nakamura who's like a younger wrestler who's great and to do it, he kissed him, sucked the poison out of his mouth, and then spat it back in him. Oh. Was like how he counted the poison. I love it. But anyway, uh, Julia Hart, they're doing this match, and it's like a tag team between these two people from the House of Black and two people called the Varsity Blondes. And it's literally like they're wearing black, they have tattoos, they're the bad guys. Yeah, of yeah. course, but naturally. But they're way more popular because people are like, this is cool. It's more fun. Yeah. I mean, the Varsity kids are like the bad guys in 80s movies. So, like. <laughs> exactly. It just like doesn't, it, do, it was not working. So the way they had her like change over was that she was like trying to some, they were like gonna go spit and she went to save her friend and she just got a face full of the poison and then she wore an eye patch for like six months because <laughs> of the poison oh my god and would wrestle in the eye patches up and then would gradually get more went from a cheerleader who was like go guys and during her match would do like cheerleading moves to like wrestle the other wrestlers to just more and more like aggressive in her matches and sullen. So when she was meant to be supporting her stable mate, she would just sit there and not like <laughs> completely unemotive. And then eventually there was like a big turn and it was so funny. And one of the things I also love about wrestling is it is like they do good wrestling just responds to what the fans want. Yeah. So clearly like they were meant to be good guys. It wasn't working. So they switched it around. And there is one moment where she has a, the bad guy comes and gives her a chair to hit her stable mate from, one of the Varsity Blondes. And I was sitting in my living room being like, oh, fucking hit him! Hit him! <laughs> hit him with a chair! Like just, and the entire audience was like so psyched to just see this cheerleader just hit another human being with a steel chair. And everyone's <laughs> like, ah! Oh. And then it didn't happen and people were mad. Oh, people were so mad. And so at the next, like, pay-per-view, they had her finally turn and become a member of the House of Black. And now she wears, like, full goth stuff. Does it's she like, still have an eye patch? No. The eye patch came off and then... And she, underneath, black mascara and <laughs> eyeliner. Yes. And it's exactly. spread throughout her face <laughs> like venom. Yeah. Uh, but that's, like, my... Uh, yeah, that's, like, one of the reasons I love it is it's just, like, sometimes they justify it really well and then sometimes they don't. <laughs> I am... <laughs> Delighted. I was on the edge of my seat for that whole story. I wanted her to hit them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's so good. It is also, again, it's so funny because th this is such a broad form. Is Sometimes you're watching it and you're like, oh, this is like clearly fake. Like I see, like literally see the space between the fist and the face. Or sure. I can see this person, like how they protect each other and stuff. And then you see some wrestling, like specifically I think like Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, where you'll be like, oh, I guess she just dumped that other wrestler on their head. Yeah. Like it's like it's like you're like that's just that's a real suplex. Like I don't know how. <laughs> what are they doing to each other? Yeah, and wow. so it is. It's funny how different wrestlers and different organizations approach like the art form differently. Yeah, because uh, a lot of those moves, like while the outcomes are scripted. Uh, and they're not actually hurting themselves necessarily as badly as they're showing there. They're still doing these moves. They're still jumping from ropes. They're still, uh, quote, unquote, landing on people. Like, it's very physical. Super athletic. Yeah. Also, like, I 
only know this because I did one, uh, I used to be part of a uh, troupe that did a weekly sketch show in Toronto called The Sketchersons. It was sort of a Saturday Night Live sort of thing, so they did it on Sunday. Um, and we had... And no one got paid. And absolutely no one got paid. By the paid. End they did. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> love you guys. <laughs> um, uh, but we had one... one um, one particular show where our main guest was a wrestler, and was I did RJ City. RJ City, yep. Um, who may be a guest on the podcast in the future? We will see. But uh, we did one one sketch where I had to pretend to kick him in the balls, and instead of doing stage combat, which is what I'm used to, where you like miss by a mile, um, but just and you the project angles, so easily. Yeah, like, it's so obvious you're gonna. Fit. And that's how I'm trained. So I I'm never actually gonna hit someone. But RJ kept being like, no. You hit me. I'll guard myself, but you. I want you to aim a kick right between my legs, and I will close my legs. And I could not make myself do it. And that's when I realized, like, oh man, they might plan it, but they're doing real shit up there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I, because I also like I took you know a stage combat class uh, from Sean Murray. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Sean Murray. Shout out we to Sean Murray. And I remember because it was me and my friend, and I would never do this to someone I wasn't friends with, but my friend Connor Lowe, we were like paired up with each other. And Sean kept being like, stop doing it so fast. And we were like, but that's what a punch, you don't punch someone slow. And so we were like <laughs> almost hitting each other and like, <laughs> act, like act, and then like, I also did a, a wrestling sketch once and Connor was, had to like chop me, which is a move where they like slap each other's chests. Mm, yeah. And that, and it's, uh, and I did that cause it's like a thing that like, if you do it right, which we did not do. Uh, <laughs> it sounds really loud. And it's also a move where I was like, I didn't want to do like a fake, uh, a different fake move. Because I did like, again, another sketch I was in was like another wrestling sketch. And the person, she was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And you're going to like, and she'd done some wrestling training or something. She's like, you're going to hold me upside down and then like drop it like this. And then I'll like sell it. And I remember being like, I. I don't want to do that because, like, I could actually hurt you yeah, if I mess yeah. it up. But with a chop, like, it, you're not going to, like, uh, like seriously hurt someone. Yeah. And so I'm like, Connor, you, I was like, and we'd done a rehearsal and he didn't want to hit me hard. I'm like, Connor, I'm going to be so mad at you if you don't hit me hard. <laughs> if you do this and it, like, doesn't sound good, I'm going to be so mad at you. So I've got my shirt off and he goes to chop me and he does do it hard but his hand doesn't fully turn to hit my oh, chest no. flat. No. And so it does make a little bit of sound, but it... And again, I had, I had like, I kept like nagging him, like being like, Connor, gotta Harder. hit me hard, gotta hard. like, he's kind of on you. He's trying to do tech cues <laughs> and like do real stuff and think about acting, and I'm like, Connor, hit me hard, and so <laughs> he does, and it's, but it's mainly just with like the edge of his oh. hand, and so it hurt, but it didn't sound that good. <laughs> so you got the opposite of what you wanted. Yeah, but I'm always impressed when they like, yeah, wrestling is real. I went and saw a a show at um, Coca-Cola Coliseum where the Marlies play. Mm. AEW did a uh, like a, a live taping there. And there's a wrestler called Jade Cargill, and she's great. She's at the moment, she is uh, also a thing I love about wrestling, so many championships. <laughs> so many championships in a way that, like, real sports don't have it. Like, the NBA doesn't have, like, the, you know, like, the the super cool Gatorade champion for, like, just a <laughs> mid-tier team to, like, make them seem more important. <laughs> But kind of thins it out when there's too many championships. Yes. Oh, but wrestling loves a lot of championships. So many championships. And Belts for everybody. Oh, and they're always like the Intercontinental title, the All Atlantic title, the US title, the Japan title. And there's one, Jade Cargo currently holds a championship called the TBS Championship. Like the t TV station? Yeah, like the TV station. <laughs> what? But she's made it her own. She's like, it's called That Bitch Show. Like, that's her, like, <laughs> slogan and stuff. But uh, Jay Cargill used to play in the WNBA and is just, like, this incredible athlete. Uh, is un And this is, again, where it's, I as I said, I'd maybe just not explain to people that it's fake because it's more fun when you, like, just get into it. But she's undefeated. Never lost in a professional wrestling ring. Her first match was against, was she was tag teaming with Shaq. What? What? Yes, yeah, Why yeah. Would, that doesn't seem fair. Shaq is gigantic. So, yes, it was her and Shaq against a wrestler called Red Velvet and a wrestler called Cody Rhodes, who is, uh, now he's in WWE, he's going to headline WrestleMania. But Ooh. at the time he was in um, All Elite Wrestling. Again, the exciting thing where people just 
pick up and move leagues, which is like very exciting. But um, which does happen in real sports, but like not as yeah. not as much. Um, yeah, that's like a changing a league versus changing uh, a team. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Jake Huggins undefeated. And there was, like, something where she didn't have a match, but she had something where she was, like, mad at one of the other people. So she came down, and then security had to separate them. And whenever that happens in a wrestling show, it's like, oh, these two competitors, they hate each, hate each other so much, they can't wait for the match. They're going to fight right now. And then all the referees and the security, I'm um, doing air quotes <laughs> <laughs> uh, for everyone who's listening, which is everybody. It's a podcast. <laughs> I mean, somebody might be watching, but from where? <laughs> How? <laughs> Um, so all this security comes in and she's like, her big move is like a pump kick where it's just like essentially like a, I guess like just a kick straight ahead of her. And she kicked one security guard. And again, this is all like, and he hit the ground so loud that I was like in the cheap seats, like the row seats. And I heard his body hit the ground. (gasps) And you know, when you're like, Oh, 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 that's gotta like that's gotta hurt. That's too real. So bad, yeah. And I don't know what happened. Like maybe he jumped too far, or like what happened. But it was truly like, yeah, it was it was kind of nuts. And that's when it is like it. But it does make it easier to suspend disbelief in a strange way. Yeah. And that, and you're like, oh, I guess she is so mad. <laughs> wow. Okay, I have to ask because, like, it seems like some of these moves are I icon- Like, there's obviously certain moves that you see a lot. There's certain, like, big trademark moves. What are some of the moves in wrestling that, if you were watching it, you can look out for? Oh, okay. So I think uh, there's, like, a lot, like, a lot of, like, based on real wrestling moves, I guess. So, like, a headlock. Right. Uh, a uh, arm bar, which is like, you know, like a, an ankle lock, like stuff that people really use. A uh, Boston crab. Um, <laughs> a there what? is a Boston crab is where if like, if I, like, let's just say we're wrestling and, I, and I'm lying flat down on my back. It's when you grab both my legs and twist them backwards oh, oh. until I like tap out from pain. Oh. Yeah, there is a. I would encourage everyone to um, search YouTube for pro wrestling moves in MMA. And someone's made a super cut of when people have used real wrestling moves in MMA matches. Like pro wrestling, like traditionally pro wrestling moves in MMA matches. And it's usually when someone's winning by like a long march, like really big. And they just start showing off. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like someone does an elbow drop, and then you see the referee like. (laughs) <laughs> give them like a card for being disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> just to fuck you. Yeah. Elbow drop, I assume, is the one where they drop on their elbow. Exactly. Like, hey, yeah, okay. elbow, yeah, yeah. jump down. Yeah. They're not all fancy. And then I guess like the big ones would be anything off like high flying maneuvers. So anything off the top rope when they do like um, uh, f- some sort of like somersault or flip onto the person. Yeah. And then um, I guess pile drivers are the other one. Is yeah, what you... is that? I hear that one a lot. So it's like when you... It's when one person holds the other person upside down and then either then like either drops to their knees or their bum and like in you know in in the reality of the show drops the person on their head. Yeah, right. Which is like funny because it is an illegal move in actual wrestling. Of course. Like if you're like <laughs> really love it in this wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But if it's like if you watch like um you occasionally see it in like uh like amateur wrestling, like uh, like collegiate wrestling or something, where they're like wrestling and one person like picks up the other person and then instead of like throwing them or suplexing them, will just, I think usually it's a mistake, drop them and then they land on their head and then the, the match is always like done in real wrestling. Yeah. Like because it's so dangerous and stuff. Yeah, you could break your neck. Yeah. And it's even, it is, I think it's dangerous in pro wrestling. Like I wouldn't let someone. Even if we've choreographed it, you're not dropping me anywhere near my head. No, like. and. Like, one of the reasons why Stone Cold Steve Austin had to retire was he broke his neck Whoa. because of a sit-down power, like a, like a, some variation of a pile driver. Woof. I, I think so. I want to put a big caveat on this episode <laughs> that I'm an idiot. <laughs> so if I have any information wrong, um, don't, like, message me. I, I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, so, but there's so many different um, wrestling companies, divisions, uh, around the world, is is the wrestling style pretty standard? Like pretty similar between them, or are there like some of them do them so differently? Wildly different. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, like even like lucha style is very different in the sense that even the way they are, uh, 
like, and it's interesting, quite often when people think of, like, lucha wrestlings, they think of, like, a lot of the high-flying manoeuvres, yeah. Yeah. which is, like, a big part of it. But even, like, the submission holds they use are different. And then even the ways they physically... So this is the interesting thing about wrestling is, like, I'm, like, a big fan of, like, all the storylines and stuff, but I am also a nerd for, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Uh, and so... And I think a lot of people who get very into wrestling are are really big nerds for behind the scenes stuff. Right. So it's um, like real behind the scenes though or storyline behind the scenes. So here's it what's interesting about wrestling is it blurs sometimes. Cuz like Vince McMahon was a per- like he was the owner and he was a character on the show but like how much of that was real? So it's so here's what's here's what's interesting about wrestling is there's like a whole like literal industry about reporting stuff behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of like Patreons or like newsletters and stuff that have been going on for a long time that like give you like the real behind the scenes details. And quite often they will use those details in real life. So the Vince McMahon thing is, yes, he was playing a character, but in real life Vince McMahon is a piece of shit. He's like, I, I believe s- it. Like I don't, watch, I don't watch WWE anymore because he is a... He's a really bad person. Yeah, John Oliver does a good piece on it. Yeah, and he's like a terrible person for how he treats employees, how he treats women, and all that. Um, But that was like he um, had done something really shitty to Bret Hart. And so that was kind of – so so it's interesting. Yes, he was playing a character on stage, but that character was very much rooted in the reality of Vince McMahon being a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) In the same way that, like, Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin was, like, this, like, badass anti-authoritarian person, he did legitimately leave WWE for a couple of times. So it all, like, there's a um, the current AEW world champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. His storyline is that he hates AEW. He hates fans. And he's only in it for the money. And that he will leave to whoever gives him the most money. <laughs> And in real life, he didn't start no-showing stuff because he because it's and I think he had a, a very fair point is he got signed as like a very like young wrestler, and then um at one is like one of the most popular wrestlers in the world, and there were a lot of other wrestlers from WWE who were earning more money than him, who weren't as popular, who weren't drawing as many ratings, and so he had like a real fight with the company, but that is now part of the storyline. And it's also tough in the sense that it does come from that back, like the roots of it are like trying to like lie to people for gambling reasons <laughs> and stuff. So it is so, and also there are some people who like, for example, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he never does an interview out of character. Yeah. So like he never admits wrestling's fake. Maybe he has in like one or two like old ones. But Does his, he know? I, well, I don't know because he – but he does everything with such crazy intensity. But when he like – and he also as well like he – even like when people pay to get his autograph, he's still a dick to them. Like he never – like a lot of wrestlers will like be like, I'm playing this character yeah. and then I'm not. But like imagine if like a drag queen never dropped character. Like not only was like never out of drag but never dropped their onstage drag persona. Wow. So, like, he's like a method wrestler? Yeah. And it's, like, it, it's super exciting. He did get in trouble recently because he threw a drink on a fan mm. just during a match for no reason. Why not? And it turned out to be alcohol, and the fan was a kid. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, and so no. that, that was, like, a legitimate thing. And then he, like, but he, like, apologized for it, but he did it in, like, a really sarcastic way. Like, he's, like, a... And it's, like, at a meet and greet, like, he'll, like, ins- I, I think at a certain point people are like, I'm going to go get, like, insulted by this person right, or yeah. something. Right, gimmick. Yeah, but it's, like, he would just, yeah, just, he's just mean to people all the time because that's, and he, like, I'm sure he drops character away, but, like, he's never recorded out of character. Like, there's one Dang. interview I saw with him and he unplugs the, the r- reporter's microphone. What? <laughs> and then like halfway through it and never says anything. <laughs> and then in the, like the next time he gets interviewed, uh, this like wrestling reporter's like, why did you do that? And he goes, because you also want to interview me, you stupid fucking... Like he's just, he just is like super mean. He orders, like there's one interview where he orders room service halfway through and then goes and eats the room service and then takes the bread and goes to the interviewer. You look like you like carbs and throws it in his face. Like, oh, he's a, wow. he, like oh. he never drops character. And it's, it is like truly like... And again, it's like wild, but it's he's very popular because of it. It's a fast. It is like 
I do think there's a real um, through line with, like, performance art. Right. Um, Damn. Yeah. Like, Andy Kaufman did, like, a lot of wrestling. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, who are your favorite wrestlers? And, what like, do you have favorite wrestling moments of all time? Yes. Okay, so my favorite wrestlers are, there's one wrestler called Maki Ito. Uh, she's from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And she got into wrestling because she was in an idol group. And Whoa. then, really? And because there's like a lot of crossover, they do a thing called the Idol DDT, which is another wrestling promotion, does a thing called like, it's like called like the Super Idol Battle Royale group or something. And it's where there's a wrestling match and then they have multiple idol groups around the outside. And then if any of the wrestlers fall out, the idols hit them with like fake hammers what? until they get back into the ring. Oh, I love this. And so she was part of an idol group and then she started wrestling essentially to promote herself and her idol group more and more. And then something happens and she gets kicked out of her idol group. She's told, and she's like literally told, you're not good looking enough. Like it's like, they're like, I mean, they're, have you had anyone to talk about idol stuff? Uh, yeah, we've talked about BTS a bit, but like, but, but not, not the greater, not, not the, the greater industry. idol culture, yeah. which can be absolutely cutthroat. But then she brings that into her wrestling character. Oh. And so she sings her own theme song coming down to the ring. Respect. And I love that. That's sick. That's so fun. It's also funny because she's like not a great singer. <laughs> it doesn't matter. She's a wrestler now, baby. And then she would like, ke she kept losing matches because she would um, get distracted when she was winning and make the crowd tell her how cute she was. And then when she started a faction, it was called the Mackie Ito Respect Army. Oh my God. Because people had to respect her. And then also, like, one of the things the idol manager said, it was, like, your head is too big. It was, like, a criticism of it. And like, so, physically? Or like, physically, like yeah. <laughs> and so her move became, like, she has, like, a, in the reality of wrestling, she has an indestructible head. <laughs> and so, like, her thing is, like, a headbutt and stuff, or, like, someone will punch her head, and then, like, ah, oh, my, uh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh and my she's God. And she's just, like, so funny and stuff. Um. So she'd be, like, one of my favorite wrestlers. There's a wrestler called Orange Cassidy, and his whole thing is that he doesn't care and he doesn't really want to be there. <laughs> and so he'll, like, wrestle his whole match with his hands in his pocket. Oh, my God. And then, like, um, like, and also, like, even when he gets into the ring, he never gets over the ropes. He always lies down and rolls under the <laughs> bottom rope. <laughs> Commitment to the fit. Yes, and it's, like, and even in, like, and again, maybe he's done interviews now that are like more realistic, but he used to do like interviews and he'd only answer in one word answers. Like, so people would be like, Orange Cassie, you're a sign. How do you think you'll like, how do you think your wrestling style will translate to a larger television audience? Good. Like, and it's <laughs> just complete commitment to the bit. But then there was like this big moment where, and his, so he's in a, a faction, uh, a stable called the Best Friends. And there's Love a tag it. team and their thing is their best friends. <laughs> and so halfway through... Oh, I see. And their bid is... Yes. Their best friends. Best friends. And then halfway through matches, they stop and hug. And that's like... Oh. And which, yeah. which league is this in? AEW. All Elite Wrestling. Although they did it in New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor and, like, different uh, different ones. But... And that... And so... But he, like... He now will talk a bit more, but, like, Orange Cassidy would never do his own talking. He'd always have one of the best friends do it. And then... Chuck Taylor, who's this wrestler, grabs a microphone and he goes, and this Sunday at AEW Revolution or whatever the pay-per-view was, it's like, he is going to try. And the whole crowd <laughs> went, like, electric. And then he had this match against this wrestler called Pac. And Pac is from Newcastle-upon-Tyne in, like, way up in northern England. And his name is The Bastard Pac. And he is this ripped dude. And he is just, like, his bit is he's a bastard. <laughs> He, like, is a bad guy. He's an incredible wrestler, but he's just, like, vicious and mean. He, like, there's, like, footage of him in, like, a show in England making a kid cry just by staring at him <laughs> and being so scary. And that, and so it was him, versus, Orange Cassidy versus the Bastard Pack, and they had a match, and then all of a sudden Orange Cassidy, you know, after he'd gotten beaten enough, started trying and started, like, running around and doing, like, wrestling moves and stuff, and then it was, like... Ah, so that was one of my favorite moments. Oh. I think I love wrestling. <laughs> That's so funny to me. Oh, it's the when bits work in wrestling, it's like 
it's it nothing is better. Like nothing you'll ever do on stage is as funny as like when a bit works in wrestling. Oh my gosh. Un- unfortunately, I will also preface this as well. There's so much bad wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, of it's, course. Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, <laughs> but um, and then there's I think my other favorite moment was there's two brothers, Cody Rhodes, who I've already mentioned, and his older brother Dustin Rhodes. He was the wrestler Gold Dust. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone mentioned, uh, and yeah. so he, but now he just wrestles as. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and he left WWE so they could have a big match and they did like an entire brother versus brother match their father's a famous wrestler called Dusty Rhodes and they were like wrestling in their different generations there's like 17 years that separate them dang and they have different mothers so it's like and that and they did this like bloody battle that had these promos and stuff and then afterwards Cody Rhodes grabs a microphone both of them are bleeding because both of them did the the razor blade, the razor blade thing. Oh, I hate well, because also, I believe in WWE it was banned for a long time, and Dustin Rhodes has gotten fired before for doing it. Ugh. Like he was one Didn't time. Did he used to wear all gold makeup too? Like that's not hygienic. You're gonna get oh, an infection. Well, that was in WWE before. Because again, he's like fifty something and is still wrestling. When Shit. he was like very young, Dang. he did a match called the Bunkhouse Brawl, which was like it's like a match in the back of a truck. Like it's such a chaotic, weird idea. And they were explicitly told, "Don't blade. You're on TV. We're not allowed to bleed." And you know what both of them did? Bleed, bleed. bladed. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, like, he clearly, and every match he bleeds, and so clearly he loves it, but hasn't been allowed to do it for ages. So in that first match in AEW, oh, he went for it. Oh. Like he like both like the and that but then at the end they're both like bleeding and stuff and Cody Roy grabs a microphone and starts really crying, asking him to be his tag team partner. Oh. And he goes at you know, whatever the next thing is, I don't need a tag team partner, I need my brother. And then they hug. And I know, like, and maybe because, like, I have brothers and stuff and I'm not, like, great at expressing my own emotions and stuff, so maybe I can only enjoy it after I've seen people literally do violence. But I was like, I, like, oh, my God. It's my favourite moment ever. Dear Lord. Uh, What's the nerdiest thing you've ever done in relation to your fandom? Oh, okay. So the nerdiest thing I've ever done is you can get, like, uh, like, the WWE network and all these things. I have, like, bought subscriptions to, like, streaming services for, like, like uh, shoot interviews, which is like shoot is like for real in wrestling lingo. And so like when someone shoots on someone, it's when they like wrestle them and fight them for real. So like, oh, such and such shot on such and such during a match means like it turned into a real fight. Yeah. And a shoot interview is like particularly in years ago when people kept up like the facade of wrestling more was like when when they'd like give you the real answers. So I have paid for shoot interviews from like – 80s or 90s wrestlers. That's, like, definitely the nerdiest thing I've done. And they're all, like, three hours. They're shot terribly. Amazing. The interviewer is, like, an idiot. Like, it's, like, you know, usually the person is drunk or high. That's definitely the nerdiest thing I've done. Amazing. Uh, We're about to get into hot takes, but before we do, uh, this episode is brought to you by tpublic.com, where you're going to find your next favorite T-shirt. TeePublic has unique nerdy designs available. You can get them on T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, notebooks, uh, stickers, other things, so many different things. Water bottles, you could do that. Uh, find a design you love, and you can get it on pretty much anything. You can customize size, color, fabric on any piece of clothing. You get a mouse pad. Do people still have mouse pads? I think I, I've been thinking about getting a mouse pad. Anyway, I'll go to tpublic.com. Uh, <laughs> One of the great things about tpublic.com is that you're, you're not just supporting the site or supporting us, which you are doing if you go to our store. Uh, you're also supporting indie artists, which is really cool because, you know, most fandoms in the world uh, started with some indie artists loving something very much. Um, and people make really awesome designs. Uh, we have a bunch in our store from the different episodes we've done um, and some others we just like. Uh, but some of the art is amazing, and you can actually support indie artists who are being paid a fair commission for that work, which is really incredible. So head over to tpublic.thefandomshow.com to check out all of our merch and favorite designs from TeePublic. That is tpublic.thefandomshow.com. And thank you so much, TeePublic, for your thank support. thank you so much. Thank you so much. We are getting into our hot takes. We went into the, the ring of the internet, uh, slammed up some hot opinions onto the ropes and bringing them to you. 
That was wrestling talk. Yeah, nice <laughs> pile drive. Uh, so this is from Jigsaw Nerd on Twitter. Professional wrestling is the greatest contribution of North America to world culture. Whoa. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah? Maybe, I don't know. Jazz is pretty high up there. <laughs> yeah, jazz is jazz. Jazz and yeah. comics. I also, it is very, very, like it's, Americans have had such a big influence on it, but I don't know if it's purely an American art form. Did it start at a, what, no. I don't it, know if it's, sta- I don't know if there's one starting point to wrestling. Like I think you the, uh, an illustrated history of pro wrestling does a far better job, but there's definitely like kind of like a, um, Britain and yeah. some parts of Europe definitely have like some starting points. But Americans did export it to a lot of places. God. Like a lot of like in Japan and Korea, they can draw it back to like one American coming over. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, this one is the best era for true wrestling fans was 1985 to 1989, unless you were watching the WWF. You're already shaking your head. No, not true at all. <laughs> I know this is like, uh, not to be brutal, but like wrestling now is better than it ever has been. Really? You can get a better range of stuff. Um, and again, there's been like great moments. Like I'm sure you could point to like all Japan pro wrestling, um, you know, with the Kenta Kabashi and, and the pillars and everything or like the attitude era it was more actually popular but i think if you want to look at um just the range of wrestling you can get to the technical ability of wrestlers um pushing out a lot of fucked up outdated stereotypes that some wrestling companies used to draw on oh yeah wrestling right now is better than it's ever been oh, so. and it's i also get it but it's also like it's like me being like uh hardcore was the best in you know 2008 i'm like well no that's when i was in yeah that's when high you liked school it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 100%. you had the time and energy to, to yeah. focus in on that okay so how about this new japan pro wrestling relies too much in 99 percent of matches ending in a finish finisher and i hate it because as good as the match is you know it's never going to end with anything other than a rainmaker three high fly flows etc Oh, who did that? Do you know who that one was from? No. No idea. Okay. So I definitely think that, again, and I'm not the biggest New Japan fan, I would say maybe that's someone who doesn't watch a full New Japan card. Okay. Maybe they only watch, like, the big matches and stuff like that. It's funny because this is this is really nerdy. But then you get people on the other hand being like, it, matches should always end with a finisher. No one should ever kick out of a finisher. A finisher is like a big, cool move that like finishes the match. Yeah, it's like in Mortal Kombat yeah. when they rip Finishing. their face off and then like exactly, yeah, fire. sick. Um, but uh, I, uh, I'd agree. I'd probably, I'd probably say yeah. That's a. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I part, I partially agree with that. Partially agree. Partially yeah. agree. Okay. okay. Uh, this one is Kevin Dunn's edit. Don't ruin WWE television. They salvage it. The quality of in-ring work is so bad. The edits are the only thing that make it watchable. No, the edits are Kevin Dunn's edits are terrible. He's also a terrible human being. This is super <laughs> inside baseball. He like hung up a Trump flag. Ew. Uh, yeah, don't yeah. Love no, that. Kevin Dunn is a, a no. The edits are so distracting. Also, it's not all bad in work. They have, like, Io Shirai and, like, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. There's lots of good wrestlers in WWE. I understand having to do it occasionally to do it, but also they're also told to wrestle that way. So it's, like, also, like, no, Kevin Dunn's wrestling, Kevin Dunn's edits are bad. (laughs) They're, like, they're yeah, they're terrible. They take away from, they make it look more fake, which I think is is a... uh, Makes it harder to buy in. Got it. Gotcha. Okay, how about this? The WWE has completely devalued the Royal Rumble by having two Rumble matches on the card. I would... Okay, so they now have two Rumble matches because there's a men's and a women's match. So I would say I do think it is a lot for two Rumbles, but you'd have to alternate every year. I'm if this guy if this person is like we should go back to just having a men's rumble and then some women's matches like they used to I'd be like no way but I think if it alternates there might be a point to it but rumbles are fun Royal Rumble <laughs> is how I got into wrestling I actually you know what I'm going to disagree with this Oh it's a hard disagree a Hard disagree they should have nothing but I think what the way they devalue it is they do the Royal Rumble match which is a match where every minute a new person enters the ring which is, could you imagine if they did that in real boxing? How fun would that oh be? Oh, my that gosh. Would be, and they'd start running out of people, so yeah. they'd just send anyone in. Kevin, so, get in there. There was a guy called Jason Ellis who's a radio host, and he did do a thing where he's like, I'm going to fight and I'm gonna fight 10 people, but I'm only going to fight each of them for a minute. 
<laughs> and he's someone who's had like a couple of professional, like semi-professional MMA matches. But he started fighting like he was like fought at one point a uh, an ex UFC champion, and it really was like you're like oh, and but only for a minute and stuff. And the he was in like full gear and had trained for it, and everyone else was just coming in like casual, like yeah. some of them more like that. But um. It was really funny because you're like, oh, this is what wrestling would be like if it was real. And it's <laughs> insane to watch. No, I think they should just have the two Rumble matches and no regular matches because it oh. does make the pay-per-view uh, very long. Yeah, fair. Okay. Fair. Uh, the flatliner is the worst finishing move in the history of the business. It's often said to be a move that could be hit on anyone, but that's not true because it can't be hit on The Rock. <laughs> Since the wrestler is basically doing the rock bottom on themselves by attempting it, thus giving themselves a finisher instead of giving one to the rock, their opponent. I'm not going to lie. I don't. Here's, here's my also thing as well, which is like I did. I got into wrestling not through WWE. Oh. I got through it through a weird um, like web series called Being the Elite, which is like YouTube skits. Oh, oh and amazing. Then, and then I became a psychopath who memorizes all this stuff. <laughs> love it. That's, we, we love those psychopaths. So I, I actually, and again, I also got into it in my, like, 30s. Yeah. So I also, like, it's, I, I do have, like, as you can tell, I watch a lot of wrestling, but I don't know what the flatliner is. Oh. Like, I actually, like, I've never watched a match from The Rock. I've never watched a match from Triple H. I've watched leader matches, but only recent. She's coming back for WrestleMania. Oh, so okay. it's like... She was such a babe when I watched it. She was a cool girl. Okay. Still very cool. Sick. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> and well, and you know, I've never even watched a leader match. I've watched like clips on Twitter, but it's like, so I, I weirdly, it would kind of be like someone being like, I love Mike Sure. And then you're like, have you ever seen The Office? And they're like, no. So it's it's I have a big blindside. I don't know what the flatliner is. You don't need to. How you do your fandom yeah. is completely. But up to I, you. in the spirit of hot takes, I'm going to be like, "Fuck off! You're wrong." Yeah. <laughs> also, just so you know, The Office was the last Mike Schur uh, series I saw. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, you couldn't have used a better example for me. <laughs> also, oh. for those of you who don't know, because uh, you're not TV geeks like us, Mike Schur made The Office, Parks and Rec, The Good Place, etc. Yeah. I've the seen it now. The producer on Rutherford Floor. Yeah. 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 I've seen it now, but it was the last one I watched. Parks That's... and Rec was the first one I watched. Parks and Rec is pretty good. It's yeah. so That's good. Anyway. Parks and Rec is the New Japan pro wrestling comedy. <laughs> Part, it's all coming together. It's all coming. Every fandom links to every other fandom. Tell them, here's your moment. What is your hottest take on wrestling? Oh. The floor is yours. The ring is open. Sure. Is that what they say? Yeah. yeah. Do a little bouncy rope thing, but metaphorically. Maybe I love wrestling, but I hate wrestling fans. I, yeah. Uh, I, like, I, I, if I that makes sense, like, I like, I, I love wrestling, and when I've got a friend who gets into it, it's so much fun. But, like, honestly, I don't know. If you got some weird, like, misogynistic, homophobic, racist sort of thing like that, I don't know. Go. I was going to say something really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, don't go to wrestling shows. Yeah, there you go. It's like it's like stressful going to wrestling shows being like, is someone gonna start chanting something and I'm gonna have to like Shut it down? Yeah, or... like it's it's yeah. Wrestling fans ruin wrestling. Yeah, I mean I it's, this it wouldn't be the first time we've heard a similar take to that, is yeah. that like some fandoms can be super toxic in a variety of different yeah. ways. Yeah, it's like, imagine uh, RuPaul fans times a million. Oh, no. <laughs> it's drag, I'm telling you. It's, it's just heterosexual drag. drag. It's just drag. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so at the end of every episode, we like to share our micro fandoms of the week, which we will do in just a moment. But before we do, uh, we'd love to share how you can become more involved with the fandom show. Uh, first of all, you're doing the best possible thing right now, which is just listening to it. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, but there's a couple other ways you can get in touch. You can reach out to us on social media at Fandom Show Pod. Uh, we're there on Twitter, on Instagram, not really on Facebook. It exists. 
Uh, we just don't post there as much unless you start engaging with us there. And I'll, I'll I know. show up. We'll go where you are. Uh, Is that it, thirsty? I don't know. <laughs> we'll go wherever you go. Oh, geez. Uh, you, if you have ideas for future episodes or want to catch up on past ones, just say hi. Uh, we have a website. It's thefandomshow.com. We are on a mission to do this show until we have covered every goddamn subculture until there we is. die. Um, whichever one <laughs> comes first. But in order to do that, we need as much help as possible to spread this all over the world. So please tell all of your nerdiest friends about us, although our definition of nerd is very broad. So just tell all of your friends. And please, if you can, get on your podcast provider of choice, principally Apple Podcasts, do a little you rate. You do a little Spotify. Review. You could do, you Absolutely. Can do any of the systems. You could do any of them. But whatever you do, do a little rate, review, subscribe. It doesn't need to be long. It can just be like, I like this. Or yay. Or I don't know, uh, throw some wrestling stuff up there. Um, <laughs> do Put whatever you want. Um, but even a one-sentence review or one-word review helps us move up the charts, and that means we can have more fans of fans and spread more positive fandom. Uh, we also uh, have a Patreon, a podcast with a Patreon you don't say. Impossible. It's true. <laughs> uh, so if you go to patreon.com forward slash the fandom show, you can get just more general content from us. We have several different tiers. Some you can get episodes early. You could submit your hot takes on things. Uh, we also have our monthly nerds letter, and we have a patron-exclusive podcast Ooh, where we do whatever we want. Uh, if you want to get to know a bit more about me and Kaya and just, like, listen to us talk about the things that we love, that's the best place to do it. Uh, so please head on over to patreon.com forward slash the fandom show. Check out some of that stuff. And if you have some extra bucks you want to throw towards a couple of little cutie nerds, that's us. You can do it there. And our theme song is by Yusu Kim, and our logo is by the excellent John Blair. Uh, we are now into micro-fandoms for the week, starting with Kaya. Oh boy, I don't know if I was fully prepared for this. Uh, starting with Steph. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> uh, so my micro fandom for the, the week, uh, I, uh, it's no surprise to anyone who listens to this, I love BTS. I'm a big BTS fan and what's going to happen very shortly when this comes out is I'm going to be seeing one of the members of BTS live in concert. Oh my gosh, what a time to try to get tickets. Buying tickets on Ticketmaster is awful. It was a whole it's, ordeal. It was a whole ordeal. There was a video call. There was uh, a lot of coordination, but going to Newark uh, with Anne, who was our guest on our BTS episode, and friend of the podcast, Carly, and we're going to go see Suga live in person. I cannot believe it. It is Anne's bias. She's going to cry and have a meltdown. Totally. I don't know what's going to happen. She might die. But I'm so excited to see this artist. I respect him so much as a producer and as a creator, and I'm just, uh, and I've melted. Yeah. You're the first person to ever be excited to go to Newark. <laughs> and that in its own, an accomplishment, I feel. Yeah. Sugar is doing good things for the world. Uh, yeah, so that's my microfandom. I just can't stop thinking about going and seeing this. It'll be my first stadium show post-COVID, I guess, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. So that'll be surreal. So that's that's what I'm nerding about. Kaya. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting time travel one because by the time this episode comes out, this will have already happened. Um, but uh, we are going to L.A. soon, and we are going to Disneyland for the ah! first time since I was six years old. Whoa. Um, and I have memories of Disneyland. This is I went to the L.A. Disneyland, the, the same one. Um, but I'm very excited to go back to, like, the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and all the ones, like, I really loved as a kid to just, like, I don't know, see what they actually look like because I was <laughs> six. I do not remember anything except some really specific details of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride that when I watched the movie, I was like, that's from the Raw! <laughs> like, I'm the only kid who probably. Does. I freaked the like. There's one part where Barbosa drinks wine and the wine goes down his ribs and like for some reason my brain was like, I remember this. I've seen this. I've seen this happen to a skeleton in a ride. <laughs> um, so I'm very excited to go back because I had a I had a good time as a six year old and I want to see if I can. Uh, I want to see what it's like as a 32 year old. <laughs> Callum. Callum. Uh, what are you stoked about? Um, the book Ducks. By Kate Beaton. <gasps> I love Kate Beaton. It's incredible. It's so good. Uh, she. It's about her experience working in the oil sands. What? And which she really did for I think believe between two thousand five and two thousand and eight. And again, just a masterful writer, a masterful artist. Uh, just really well done. It doesn't 
tell you what to think. It just shares someone's experience in a way that's so powerful and affecting. It's incredible. I also think it's great to hear about the oil sands from someone who actually works there. Because I feel like in Canada, it's either dominated by people who hate the oil sands who have never been there, or people who love it who have never been there and work in like some high rise in Calgary. Yeah, right. And so for someone to, who's actually have lived experience doing it and such an incredible artist and writer, it is, it's like the best graphic novel I've ever read. Oh my God. Dang. And one of the best books I've ever read. It's, it's incredible. It's, so I, can't, I cannot recommend Ducks enough. Oh, I have to go read that. I love Kate Beaton. Dang. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. this podcast has to end now. I have work to do. <laughs> Every time we finish recording an episode, we're like, we have to go do this now. Yeah, we have we to go watch, watch wrestling. wrestling. I legitimately want to. Want to watch some wrestling, Callum? Oh. Can we go yes. to a show? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You got to come to a show. Yeah, it's going to okay. be great. Well, I am going to a show. And cut me off. Is this too long? No. So I'm going to a show next Sunday, but it, this is why I'm a little nervous. It's uh, from a company called Game Changer Wrestling. I'm going with uh, Anthony Hall, who has a podcast about wrestling. Oh, oh cool. And, um, but it is, they, it is a deathmatch promotion. Wow. So that's when there's like, and I'm, I don't usually watch deathmatch stuff. And again, I'm so excited because I, I believe Effie's going to be there and like uh, Tony Depp and all these other wrestlers I really like wrestle for this, are going to wrestle for this company. It's going to be great. But I have never seen one of those in, persons where like they hit each other with light tubes and like oh, stuff like that dang. so i'm a little i'm a little nervous for that yeah but it is it's going to be in the it's going to uh, with standing room only tickets we got Whoa. it's like it's going to be it's super sold out and it's going to be in um the opera house cool That's wild. which is going to be like such a great venue because i've seen hardcore bands there i've seen drag there and i'm very excited to see i've seen one wrestling show there so i'm like i'm super excited for it but that one sold out but uh a parkdale hall like yeah there's definitely wrestling shows, and it's again, it's so fun. It's like fifteen dollars. It is, it's great. Hell oh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm in. Yes. Let's do it. So yeah. excited, amazing, Callum. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? What do you want to plug? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Callum Ratten. Uh, you can follow Public Works, which is a group I'm part of on YouTube, and uh, watch some old videos there. Uh, there's a show coming out called Let's Gentrify Hamilton. Uh, that's going to be out on. Uh, a very niche streaming service, and then hopefully <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be coming out. So, but follow if you follow me on Twitter and uh, Public Works YouTube, you'll get all the all the info there. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. Just follow me, and I'll put up. I do shows, and you know, I have an album out, but it's all it's all up on my Twitter. Amazing. Amazing. Well, till next time. Love the things you love, and tell everyone about them. Bye. Bye. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.